Lee. You know, guys, it feels great to be back in this ring in the WWF. I mean, the WWF made Hulk Hogan a legend. But you know something? Something happened. And then you people turned on me. The WWF fans drove me out of the WWF. I'm the reason all you people are here. I'm the one that put the WWF on the map. I'm the one that made wrestling as big as it is today. There's nobody in this business that's a bigger icon than I am. I'm the biggest star, past or present, in the wrestling world today, and there'll never, ever be a bigger star than Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan and The Rock in the same ring. Who would have thought they would have ever seen Hogan and The Rock? It was not the people that drove you out of the WWF. They loved you. They believed in you. And damn it, The Rock believed in you. You are a legend. You are, without a shadow of a doubt, an icon, quite possibly the best ever. And seeing as you are back in the WWF, you talked about headlining, main eventing, WrestleMania after WrestleMania after WrestleMania. Well, Hulk Hogan, The Rock says, how do you feel about headlining one more WrestleMania with The Rock? Yes. It'll be a pleasure to kick your ass at WrestleMania. And by the way, Rock, good luck, because you're going to need it. Not as much as you, brother. Oh, wait a minute! Oh, brother! The Rock just grilled Hollywood Hogan! Oh, brother! The immortal Hulk Hogan versus The Rock at WrestleMania as The Rock bows down to Hollywood Hulk Hogan. You're pitiful, Rock. After I beat you, Rock, you're gonna realize that you're ordinary. You're common. All these millions and millions of fans who were my fans first are gonna see me kick your candy ass at 100% of WrestleMania. See, Hogan, you can beat The Rock in a tag. You can take a hammer to the back of The Rock's head. You can try to end my career. But the fact remains is there is no way that he's not going to walk into WrestleMania, the biggest match ever. Whoop your candy ass. One, two, three. A match for the ages. The Rock and Hogan at WrestleMania. One on one. A match that the world thought would never, ever happen. Hollywood Hulk Hogan. He will make his 10th appearance at WrestleMania. His is the future of the World Wrestling Federation, The Rock. Wrestling's past, wrestling's future. This is WrestleMania, baby! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, uh, back after another hiatus, Ron Pashery Jr. And with me this week, at least for now, is my good friend, Mr. Wednesday Night Live. We call him Alo. The ladies call him Balo, Aaron Lloyd. Uh, Alo. It's good to be back with you. Hope you're staying safe and, and healthy out there in them streets. Uh, Always. How's it going? <laughs> well, good, because, you know, this is my lifestyle anyway in the house. Uh, so this whole shutdown is nothing new to me. Uh, been just watching some shows, catching up on, on that stuff. 
And I'm glad to see it being back from low management. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> back on Eric, my feet for the time being. Yeah. yeah, Eric didn't know what that was until last week. Oh, really? He never knew he what it was. He hadn't heard of load, man. He's not following the, the, the Clippers or the Lakers no. or the Sixers. <laughs> no. So he didn't know what that was. like, what is that, by the way? Because I kept saying it for like three weeks. Well, now knowing that he didn't know what it was, I can only imagine what he thought it might be. Based on what I know about our good friend Ek to Fly Eric Trembicki, I can only imagine what yeah. he thought that might be. He, he, he's like, "What is he? Is he? Is he taking a shit or something like that?" <laughs> um, but yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, this week we are doing a review of WrestleMania 18. Uh, before we get into it, just a couple things real quick. First, uh, for a second. I thought, we've discussed this on the podcast a few times, like, what would WWE have to do to get me back? And I've said numerous times, there's nothing they could do, it's over. And then I thought, maybe they found a way by getting the fans out of the equation and just having an empty arena for their shows. And then I realized, no, because while I do hate the fans, I for, like I can't forget that I hate them too. So it's like, <laughs> just removing one of them doesn't make it any better. It might make it a little better, but they doesn't make it completely it, better. They don't come across that bad on television, though. To me, and now I haven't watched it. I've seen a couple clips. It, it just comes across as like weird to me. Like I feel like without the crowd there, it's like, what are you guys doing? Like it just looks ridiculous to me. But I I do give them credit for. Like trying, uh, I know AEW apparently did based on the, the group chat did a, did a show with no fans, but they had their roster in in the yeah. audience, which is a smart idea. So while I thought for a second like, ooh, they might have got me back without having to deal with the crowd, it's like no, because I still have to deal with with Vincent Kennedy and with Paul Levesque and and all them, and which I don't feel like doing. So there's that. Who's great at commentary, by the way? Is he? Yes, he 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 did commentary on Friday last Friday night. It was outstanding. Yeah, I know. I kept seeing pictures uh, of him sitting there at the desk, uh, and I'm not surprised he's good at it. I mean, regardless of a lot of my personal feelings about like the company or him or whatever, and I don't hate him the way a lot of people do. He's been around this business forever. <laughs> Obviously, the guy. You know, whether I agree with all of his like creative decisions and a lot of his philosophies or whatever, the guy definitely knows and has is a student of the game, you know, no pun intended. So I'm not surprised that he would be able to to pull it off. Uh, and the other thing, we just had the announcement that WrestleMania is being played over two days on Saturday and Sunday. And I've never been more excited to not watch two days of something. <laughs> I actually think it's a really good idea. It's a good idea in the sense that, and tell me if this is why you think it's a good idea, in the sense that it breaks up the show from being too long. Yeah, um, because because it's it's going to be an it's going to be an empty performance center, and the way they've been doing Raw and SmackDown the last couple of weeks is they've been having maybe four matches or whatever, but they've been actually throwing in older stuff. Like on Raw Monday night, they played the entire Royal Rumble match to kill some time. So so the fact that WrestleMania was already usually, what, five and a half, six hours long, you break it up into maybe two and a half to three hours on each day, 
that can actually that can actually work. And since it's empty, it's not going to be like for the viewers at home. You're not going to be bored the entire time. You can they're going to break it up into sections like they would on Raw and SmackDown, which I think is really smart. Yeah, I, I honestly I still feel like the best thing would be for them to to take a cue from all the other major sports leagues and just hold off. Like you're already you already have the inconvenience of people that book trips to be in Tampa for that week that now don't have this thing to go to. Like I feel like they probably should have just not done it. Uh, while while part of me respects their mentality of like the show must go on, I don't know if it's the best idea. But as someone who will complain about the length of their pay per views. I guess it does make sense to make it two shows that are a little shorter, but I know I have no interest in watching either one of them. Um, not to mention, it's one thing if your shows are really long because you have so much that you have to pack in there. It's another thing when these shows are so long and you have nothing going on that even matters. <laughs> Is there even like one thing happening at WrestleMania this year that's like a really big deal? As of now, no. And uh, I had a joke about this. It doesn't feel like WrestleMania because it's not. There's no Triple H WrestleMania season this year. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it really, it really doesn't. You know, it's just something you get excited for coming up. I, I do think that uh, the whole Drew Galloway thing. I think that's been done really well, especially like on social media. Like you know, there's guys on social media always kind of like breaking up clips into certain parts. Like for example, Galloway, he attacked Brock and they picked up on a scene of Brock of a Brock telling Galloway to grab, pick up the belt and pose with it. So you could tell Brock's actually behind us. And actually over the past few months, I'm kind of, I kind of like grew a little, grew a little fond of Brock Lesnar, you know, mm. uh, the, I, I, the person put a business. Cause like people on interviews it, like they talked about on Corey Graves, Corey Graves brought this up on his podcast. Uh, the at the um the snowstorm the uh the the raw after the Philly Rumble when we had that snowstorm they said Brock picked up the the, the tab for the entire roster at the bar they said that uh watching him do the stuff with Galloway I think it's been a lot of fun so I'm kind of going a little fond soft spot for Brock a little bit but. I think that story's been good. Becky and Shayna in in my lost episode last week, <laughs> I, I, uh, I kind of talked about that and how they dropped the ball with that right away because they had her going. They had they had her going to limited entertainment match. I'll give you a kind of a, a glimpse into that, the lost episode that I hated it. Uh, I understood what they were trying to accomplish, but that doesn't mean it was good at all. And uh, Shayna was the Richie talked about it a couple weeks ago when he was on here. <laughs> He talked about all you got to do now is point at the sign and say, I want a title shot, and that's how you get it. If anybody should have been able to do that, it should have been Shayna Baszler because she's the one standing tall at when Survivor Series went off air. And if anybody should be able to do that, it should have been her. Um, other than that, there's not really much going on. Bill and Roman, that's really led to nothing. John Cena and The Fiend, I'm sure that would have been real fun with fans, but the whole no-fan dynamics will take away a lot from it. And We'll see. We'll see what they're going to do. But I did think like the promos, especially in the empty arena, were actually delivered properly, and like you don't have to worry about a cr- crowd shitting on it or hearing what chants or what or CM Punk chants at that. But I'm not really looking forward to it at all. It doesn't really feel like quite like WrestleMania season. It's just the fact that you know it's coming. Yeah. Um. So I guess the 
maybe we could throw in a couple current topics if there's anything to throw in as we go through the show, but we might as well jump into it. As you know by now, I always like to start off with any of these like throwback shows, like where were we in like the timeline <laughs> at this point. Um, I, I was hoping originally to have uh, Joey here, Mr. Sexy Punakana, then now forever, uh, because I know he loves doing these type of shows, and with me not on, he hasn't been on, uh, but... With all this stuff with the coronavirus, I didn't feel comfortable um, going to his house. I didn't feel comfortable, you know, possibly putting his wife and his newborn baby at risk. So I decided to stay away for a little while longer. And since I have not been on the show, I want to, you know, be able to say publicly for the first time, congratulations to Mr. and Mrs. Sexy for bringing young Nolan Patrick into the world, the sexiest baby, I guess. Uh <laughs> In the world at the moment, then, now, forever, I guess. Yes. Uh, just turned a month old a few days ago. Just celebrated his first St. Patrick's Day. Uh, so, Alo, well, I guess I'll go first on this one. Um, where I was in the timeline at this point. So, this event was on St. Patrick's Day 2002. I went with my, well, with my sister's boyfriend at the time, my now brother-in-law, to the Sixers-Orlando Magic game at, at noon on that Sunday afternoon to watch AI versus Tracy McGrady. Um, there was a, so that year before, the, the run to the finals is when my brother-in-law and I became, like, really close because we were, we were going to all of the Sixers' playoff games. I somehow managed to get my sister's, interested in the Sixers at, at that time they both they, they both loved Iverson you know my brother-in-law started to get really interested and the four of us would like we bought a ticket to go to one of the playoff games and then at the end of the game they announced tickets for next game are on sale and we immediately ran down to the box office and bought tickets for the next one and we did that for like every home playoff game so we had built this relationship on that Sixers run to the finals that as you know well ended with a bitter defeat to the Los Angeles Lakers, um, but Not I in had two thousand two. Huh? This was two thousand one. So this was okay. when we started to become friends. So the okay. next year. So his birthday is March sixteenth. So okay. for his birthday, I bought him tickets. I bought two tickets to this game for me and him to go. But during that run to the playoffs, when we were at every game, uh, this uh, I guess a, a girl who worked at the concession stands, Shirley. Developed a thing for me because I would go, I would buy beer all throughout the game. I was 21 years old, 22 years old. So I was drinking a lot at the time. And this girl, Shirley, was like in love with me, started giving me like free beer every time I would show up. She would give me free food. So I remember going to this game with my brother in law, having a good time. It was, it was not a fun game. They lost 105, 103. But I remember at one point during. I think it might have been halftime, walking around the arena to see if Shirley still worked there. And I found her, and she immediately recognized me and gave me free pizza and free beer. <laughs> and so I went back a couple more times <laughs> during the game. Shirley, I hope you don't get in any trouble 18 years later <laughs> for the amount of free food and alcohol that you did uh, give me. Um, and then that night, you know, we had been drinking all afternoon. We took the train home. And then at his mom's house, we ordered WrestleMania 18. And we had been drinking all day. I think Mr. Sexy might have been there. I can't quite remember, but I think him and another friend of ours was there. And we got to watch the whole Rock Hogan match together. And 
it was like a fun night. But that's where I was. I was a very drunk 22-year-old uh, at the time, a, a couple months away from turning 23. Where was Alo on March 17th, 2002? I was 10. Okay, so not drunk. <laughs> no. Or at least no, not the not same drunk. kind of drunk I was. No, I was okay. not drunk. I might have I had pizza, though. Okay. And, and I, and <laughs> so we I, have I, some I, common things happening on the yes, same day. Yes, uh, I do recall coming from the mall, and uh, I did add to my videotape collection that day. I do know that for sure. I had bought WrestleMania 2000 on VHS. I do remember clearly. Uh, but, yeah, I was t- – yeah, nothing – as extravagant and adventurous as you. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely remember that. I, I want to say as vividly as could be expected based on the amount I drank. But, like, it's definitely a day that I remember and, like, have thought about it quite a few times. And when you mentioned that this was the episode that that we were doing, I was like, oh, yeah, like, I remember that whole day. Like, it's it's kind of weird that it, that it fell the same day. Do we have a rating system on this show? Because I've been gone so long I completely forgot. Yes, we do. Come on in, Howie. If you smell what the rock is cooking. The following podcast has a rating system in place. If it's a horrible show, it gets a jobber. If the show falls somewhere in the middle, it gets a slumber knocker. And if it is an amazing show, it gets the rating of ratings. What is your rating for WrestleMania 18? Oh, definitely a showstopper. It's this was I forgot that this was my second favorite WrestleMania. I really did. I did enjoy it a lot. And when you hear we break down the card, you'll see my excitement uh, and my love for Maven. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll hear a lot about that. The Hurricane Christian was a lot of fun. DDP was a lot of fun. His first and only WrestleMania match. The Undertaker and Ric Flair, I thought, had an underrated match on this card. The Rock and Hogan, the electricity in the building, and just the storyline involved in that match, and what that match came to be for Hogan in the second, in the second, in his second run with the company. And The Rock will eventually end up leaving to do the rundown. And Triple, of course, Triple H won the undisputed title. I thought it was great, and I, I, I just think everything on this card actually came together well. It all, it all worked. I love the. The live performances, I really enjoyed all of those. Bust the live and drown and pull. Great job, guys, <laughs> on that. But overall, I just I thought this show was a lot of fun, and I really did enjoy. It. And watching this really put a smile to my face because this was the wrestling that I fell in love with. Oh, other than the year 2000, 2002 was my favorite year in wrestling for me. I would go Showstopper as well. Just a lot of big names on the card. I, I feel like they were still sort of at that height, maybe not quite at the peak, but they were still like living off of that peak of time from like 98, 99, 2001. Um, so I'd go with a lot of, a lot of great characters on this show, a lot of iconic characters on this show and like a lot of really good matches. So I thought it was a fun show. I'd give it a showstopper, but, uh, it was at the sky dome in Toronto. As soon as I turned this, maybe I made a mistake by not watching it until today, but I got sent home from work early, um, thankfully, so I at least had a little extra time this afternoon, but as soon as I turned it on and saw the runtime, I was like, oh my god, even in 2002, this shit was almost four <laughs> hours? Like, come on. 
And then saliva opens the show. And I'm immediately, <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering, how did I ever like this company? How is this a thing that I ever liked? Oh, all the performances, that made me so happy because I, I couldn't wait to hear you. <laughs> yeah, I was I was not happy. I was like, oh my God, you got to be kidding me. Saliva, really? They came up, between them and Drowning Pool, I think there were like four or five live performances. I was so happy. It was four, I think. Um, I was like, oh my God. So I, I fast forwarded that. And then obviously watched the, the opening vignette, which is, is a must. To, to prepare for a show, but I had to laugh out loud at the idea that Hulk Hogan, despite all of the video evidence, he still refers to it as lifting Andre the Giant up over his head, which he did not do. I, now, I'm not going to say I'm not impressed that he lifted him up to shoulder height because God knows I couldn't have lifted a 500, 600-pound man up to my shoulders, but Terry, come on. You did not put him over your head. That never happened. Um but the vignette, amazing to open the show as always. Uh, and as an opener, we got RVD and William Regal for the Intercontinental Championship. And I definitely thought this was a satisfying opener. Definitely like the contrast of two very different styles, which I, which I appreciated. Yeah, I, I, I did it. I did enjoy uh, one fun fact. He, Regal wore the belt upside down. <laughs> I didn't even sure. notice that. I'm not sure if you noticed that. But for the second year, Regal opens a WrestleMania fighting for, the, well, this time he's defending the IC title. But it was a great co- co- contrast in style. I thought Regal dominated him for the most of the, most of the time. And as a 10-year-old, this was during the era of the power of the punch, which, you know, oh, I yeah. always appreciate. So I was like, oh, my God, he's like... Like how are we going to win? He has the power, the brass knocks. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! But uh, yeah, and uh, RVD he took a rough bump with a full Nelson slam to the tip on his neck, and uh, there wasn't much going on except for Regal dominating most of it, and RVD did end up winning the his first IC title here. They both ended up with busted lips with it, which I thought was interesting. Uh, That was that was his first title in WWE. Well, his first IC. IC. Okay. Oh yeah, he had been the hardcore champion before then, right? Yeah, I did appreciate Regal doing the wave with yeah. the blender. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and walked out with the brass knucks already on. Yes. And then had a backup as well. So good. Yeah. Uh, and again, William Regal, always fun to watch. Um, fun to watch in a match with RVD. Will never, uh, a guy who I think may not even be underrated anymore. Like, I think we've gotten to a point where he's he's become so ingrained in NXT that I don't know if people maybe appreciate the work he did in the ring back then, but I think people definitely have an appreciation for him as someone in the world of wrestling now that maybe they didn't 10 years ago, which I'm happy about because the guy deserves it. He's awesome. Um, definitely. We ended up with Christian backstage with Lillian Garcia and that face at the, I forgot about that. That was so good. And you know how much I love a gimmick. I love that the, the interview opened with him making that face and closed with making that face. I love that he made a big deal about getting over the temper tantrums, too, in the interview because it really set up nicely for the match uh, with DDP for the European Championship. Um, what did you think of Christian versus DDP? I know you're a big Christian guy. I don't know how big of a DDP guy you are, or especially you were back then watching it live, but your thoughts on DDP versus Christian? I think this was a really, really good match. I really do, and the story fit perfectly here. And I have a newfound appreciation for this gimmick of DDP because a lot of people say that WWF ruined them, which they kind of did. But 
if you listen to podcasts and even what you know about from DDP yoga now, like you see how positive that mm-hmm. you hear about how positive DDP actually is. Like I think Eric Bischoff, he was the analogy of, yeah, if, if a family's house is burning down, Paige will find a positive in it or something right. like that. <laughs> yeah. And that's what this gimmick was. So like when I rewatched this for when I watched this for this show, I thought to myself like, oh my god, like this this is where it came. This is where they got the idea from because he's so because he's always so positive, and I think this Matt because he because DDP actually beat Christian for the European title a few months prior, and he was trying to help Christian get his confidence back. And I thought this match told a great story of that because Christian had an upper hand in a, in a lot of it. And DDP ended up kind of stealing one in the end. But Christian had DDP on the ropes a lot in this match. And there's a lot of matches I would recommend on this show. And this is definitely one of them. And it's a, under, and it's a real underrated match because this match, this card is really stacked to the top but i would really highly recommend watching this match it definitely was just buried in the amount of matches on the show and like it being number two it wasn't even like it was the opener the fact that it was number two i think obviously probably took a little bit off it but i enjoyed it i thought it was great i love the promo that ddp cut after the match which led to the the temper tantrum that was teased (laughs) earlier uh yeah i thought it was really good i thought it was really fun and i love that what happened in this match directly tied into things that happened later in the show, which obviously we'll get to. Uh, we had a, uh, an interview with The Rock uh, and Coach, and I appreciated the the split in the crowd, um, mm-hmm. where it was like you knew there were people there cheering for The Rock, but you could tell already that there, were, like, a, there was a pro-Hogan faction, which I didn't remember. I guess I could chalk this up to how much I drank that day. I, in my mind, the way, and I haven't watched this since then, so in, in my mind, the way I remember it was that people during the match started to get behind Hogan. I did not remember that it was like it had already started to happen. People were already into Hogan at that point. Uh, but I thought it was a good interview with with Coach. And again, like I said, I liked the, that you could feel that, that tension and that split in the crowd. Leading us to Goldust versus Maven for the Hardcore Championship. What a run Maven was on at this point. <laughs> uh, not a long match. I appreciated the gold trash can. Yes, I did too. One. Uh, and we got Spike Dudley running in to steal the title and then did the R-Truth move right out of the arena, <laughs> which which I appreciated as well. Uh, do you have anything like to add to this, or your feelings about the Hardcore Division at the time or any of these guys? I'm upset Prep's not here, but you're not surprised from a, a 10-year-old Alo innocence, but I loved Maven. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would t- I would turn to Tough Enough every day, every uh, Thursday after SmackDown would go off. And when Maven went, I was so excited. He entered the Royal Rumble. I was, I was so amped for Maven. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was such a fucking mark. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Oh my God! Well, Matt, we got a Matt Hardy sighted on AEW right here. Wow, Luke Harper and Matt Hardy on the same show. Yes, I, I have it on mute, so I can't really tell what's going on. But he's he is woke, broken. Good, I'm glad. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. Oh God. But yeah, back to Maven. Yeah, I love Maven. Like I wanted him to win all the titles. You know, sort of stuff. Like I, I wish he got a. He had a pretty decent run actually in the company. He lasted longer than I would. Lasted longer than I, I remember. But this, 
this entire hardcore thing, we'll talk about it throughout the show, but I thought it was a highlight of the show. I actually forgot this actually happened, but I really did enjoy it. And I think it was, it, well, it was an integral part of the show, but definitely one of the more enjoyable things of the show. It's funny how we like perceive things so differently. Like we've talked about this a bunch, but like remembering the man's man gimmick of William Regal to me seemed like it was not a long time, but like it seemed like it was around for a while and it was around for like two or three weeks. And Maven to me seems like it, he was there in the blink of an eye and gone, but like it was longer than you remember. It's it's weird how we remember things so different. Yeah, like I think he was around for later. maybe uh, four years. Was it that long? I would have never yeah. thought that. In a million years, I would have never thought it was that long. Now, obviously, he wasn't relevant all that time either, but but still, that's way longer than I expected. Uh, yeah, so Spike Dudley running out of the out of through the crowd, I thought it was great. Getting chased by both guys, I always love that image of the getting chased through the crowd. Leads directly to a drowning pool performance. I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, why <laughs> with these shitty band, these shitty fake alternative bands? Like, come on, why are you so obsessed with them? Why do you have to talk about jamming it down our throats? Like, come on. They were... Oh, something they... just happened. Yeah, they were really shoving. Yeah, I'm back. They were really shoving down that forcible entry CD mm-hmm. down our throats, and I had it. <laughs> Did I you really? Yeah, I loved every performance. All these songs on my gym playlist still to this day. You succumb to the pressure of WWE yeah, marketing. I I did. You I bought it hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, I wish Eric was here to to defend to be on my side about this. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh come on! I fast forwarded this too. Um, <laughs> But that leads directly to another backstage segment with the Hardcore Championship, and we get uh, the Hurricane swooping in triumphantly to steal the Hardcore Championship, uh, which I thought was like a great, to me, that was like a great moment. It was a really good shot. And then our good buddy Alan Sarvin, just too late to get his hands on the (laughs) Hardcore Championship. Uh, Did you appreciate this uh, Hurricane moment as much as I did? I did like the fact that he just flew it on the rope. And then I think the best part was when he flew away with the sound effects. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. It was great. I thought it was a great moment. Loved every second of it, even though it only lasted about 10 seconds. Thought it was awesome. Uh, we get angle versus Kane. Great promo by angle to start off. Like, I love the fact that he's an Olympic athlete who knows how hard it is to like train for the Olympics to qualify for the Olympics, to compete in the in the Olympics, to win a medal in the Olympics, to win a gold medal in the Olympics, and then he's trashing these Canadian figure skaters <laughs> who won gold medals themselves. I thought it was great. I thought it was an excellent promo. I totally popped for when he called himself the big red, white, and blue machine. So good. That was amazing. Uh, and then one other thing I want to say, and you can kind of take it away on this match after this. Uh, we talk a lot about Kane being like people forget how good he was back at that time but now that he is just some like shitty conservative politician in tennessee i'm done putting kane over so glenn your your time's up so alo you know you can uh you can talk about angle versus kane well the whole dynamic of it being the the big red machine versus the big red white and blue machine was was a fact because the i thought these two got these two worked um, worked well together i thought kane, we were talking about kane how athletic he was during his time and he showed that in this match with the rolling around and they were rolling around and they were kurt angle 
And even the way Kurt Angle won, I thought it was a great way to protect Kane because Angle did have to cheat to win in the long in the long run. But I really did enjoy this this entire match. Kane, like even how jacked he was, like he's he's not he's bigger now, but he's not as jacked as he was back then. But just the versatility of him be able to actually roll around there where Kurt Angle was amazing to me. Yeah, usually the guys that are big like that are not as muscular. Like, like if you look at like Big Cass, for instance, he was big and he was a good athlete and he could move, but he did not have this great physique, obviously. Uh, like a lot of these guys don't have a physique like that. And he, uh, yeah, he was kind of like a standout in that, in that sense. Uh, and it was a good match. I enjoyed it. You know, two obviously like elite talents who were kind of in their prime at the time. I, I do not know what the finish was, though. The finish seemed a little bit messed up. Yeah, Kane, uh, Kane, someone had a shoulder up, but Angle, he used the ropes for leverage to beat Kane because Angle Slam wouldn't put Kane away. He couldn't get quite get the ankle lock on him, but he had to kind of cheat the win to beat Kane. Yeah. Um, and also weird to see Angle this early in the show. Like, I, I, for some reason, I feel like he was towards the end of the show all the time already by now, which he probably was sometimes, but I was surprised he was this early. Uh, hurricane backstage again, uh, peeping on the hose through the little, uh, <laughs> the little shade, which I thought was like a nice, funny comedic moment. Uh, then we got to the bathroom break of Richard versus Mark. So I have no thoughts. Really? I, yeah. I, fe- I have no desire to watch Mark Calloway or, and you already know my, my newfound feelings on Richard Flair since he said he was owed money for Becky Lynch calling herself the man. So, yeah, I fast-forwarded. This is, this is my bathroom break. I was like, nope, not doing it. So I would like to hear what you felt about Richard versus... How was this? First, you're, like I want to know your thoughts on this match by itself, but I also want to know how you compare this match to like the rest of The Undertaker's WrestleMania body of work. Well, I think... Well, first I'll talk about the match. I think this match is really good. If, anybody, if there's a match I recommend other than the marquee match of Rock and Hogan, this would probably be it. Because this match was a lot better than I than I actually remembered. Uh, the storytelling was actually great. Of course, Flair gets the Crimson Mask r- right away, and Undertaker does as well. And with the whole ruthless aggression documentaries coming up, you the evolution one. You hear on, of course, you heard about how how Ric Flair he had a tough time during this time. She couldn't really find himself and stuff. But I thought this was actually a great showing from Ric Flair and. You know, he brought, he pulled out a lot of his Ric Flair stuff, you know, with the flop, the falls and stuff. But I really did enjoy this match, even the inclusion of, like, Arn Anderson in this match, because Eric talks about this era of the Undertaker a lot, too, and how it was really underrated and forgotten. And that video package itself I refreshed my memory about the things that happened in this feud. Like, I remember the David Flair thing. I, don't, I didn't remember the Arn Anderson and the whole thing of uh, Vince got the board of directors and to to stop Flair from doing it and wouldn't let him really wrestle the match. But I thought this match was actually really good. Arn Anderson played his role perfectly. And these two, I thought they really, they went out there and kill, killed each other. When you see Undertaker Ric Flair in 2002, especially for Ric Flair, I don't think you would expect a match like this. S- similar to what, uh, I, th- I believe, Survivor Series 2005, when I reviewed it with Jason, we had Triple H and Ric Flair as a match of the night, and we wouldn't have thought that but i would highly recommend somebody watching this match because i thought this match was excellent yeah i'm just so over them trotting 
the Undertaker out there still that I just I can't even if it's an old match I'm just like whatever <laughs> I I can't do it. Um, and but you think like as, as compared to his his other like WrestleMania matches, this is like high like a high end one for you. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, because the earlier ones, you could toss those probably for the most part. His best ones are with HBK, undeni- undeniably. So I'll I'll definitely put it up in the top five if I actually had to run through. It's like it's the it's the Michaels matches and the matches with the match with Edge. I believe those are the top ones. So I'll I'll definitely throw it in the top five. But it's definitely forgotten in in a forgotten era for the Undertaker. I really did enjoy it. Yeah, I wonder if it's forgotten just because of the sh- the bad short haircut. Yeah, like this whole like the whole uh, big heel run he had during this time is is really forgotten because he wasn't healed for that long. He was only healed for maybe six or seven months. So it's, it's that's that's not a lot of time in the world of wrestling, especially in WWE at this time. Right. It wasn't long. And then at, even at the same time, a lot of people are actually really booing the Undertaker as well. But it's definitely a forgotten era, and Eric. Is always talked about it that way as well. And watching that video package definitely refreshed my memory. Like, yeah, wow, this was really good. Do you think maybe he was one of the first guys that, like, it didn't matter to fans whether he was a heel or babyface? Like, he just had his fans and they were going to cheer for him no matter what? Like, because I feel like there weren't a lot of those guys in the 80s and 90s. Like, you pretty much, the crowd would always be on cue. Like, when you're a good guy, they cheer you. When you're a bad guy, they boo you. But I feel like The Undertaker got to a point, maybe before most guys, where he just had his group of fans that supported him no matter what. I feel like HBK was a lot like that, too. It's a little difficult with him, because, especially from my age, because, mind you, when, I, when me growing up, especially, for example, Undertaker was a face for most of my childhood until he did the ministry. Now, that's when he kind of like just scared the complete shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> so like I'm 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 watching this as like okay this is a a a character and I'm not sure what the crowd reaction was towards it either but you got even really make you could make that argument definitely yeah and the ministry was my favorite period of the undertaker like really? not even close yet because of that like because he accept because like, he embraced all the darkness basically and and yeah and it because it didn't feel to me like. I don't want to say it didn't feel like a character because obviously it was. But like when I was watching at that time, like and even though at that time I was like 19, 20 years old, that shit felt real to me. Like it felt like this is really happening. You know, I was too old to be like scared of it. But like I loved that they went in that direction. I loved like how edgy it was. And I loved that they like leaned into the scariness of it and like the violence of it and I thought that, and especially for for someone like Austin, who's supposed to be like the baddest, toughest guy that there is, like to me that was like, what else can you do to be like a true opponent to this guy than to bring the forces of darkness against him? Like, so yeah. I really appreciated that era of of the Undertaker, and that's why I resent the like American badass angle because it came right after it. And I'm like, you went from this to that, like, come on. And I think that's why, like, I was just so like shut down by that whole turn into the American badass. Yeah, like you said, like it felt so real, especially like he tried to uh, hang Austin on the cross, trying to sacrifice Stephanie. It's you're watching the television and saying to yourself, "Oh my God, like what's, what, like, what, like what's going to happen?" 
and whatever. It, like you said, it felt so real. That's why I was so terrified of him because it looked so real. Uh, he grew the goatee. And on top of that, you, the looks with his eyes, he would mm-hmm. roll his eyes in the back of his head. It looks so, it looks so real. Like I could, like I see your, I definitely see your point. I, I can definitely see older fans actually loving that character. And, and to your, to your defense, you just said you loved it yourself, and that's your favorite rendition of the Undertaker as well. Yeah, and I always have like an appreciation for the original, just because it was so different, and I was young enough where. I was old enough to to appreciate how different it was, but I was young enough that it was still kind of creepy. And, like, I worried about my favorite guys ever having to go up against that. So, like, I, I'll always appreciate that whole look and that whole era. But the, the, the ministry era is definitely my favorite. Really loved that that whole era for him so much. Um, and, yeah, uh, and it, it's never truly, like, come back for me since then. Even, like, the the idea of him being able to, like, recruit people to his side like that that has always appealed to me it's one of the things i always loved about bray wyatt and like the idea of him being able to recruit people for whatever like fucked up stuff he was trying to do like i always i don't know why i'm fascinated by that the idea that you can like get people to do stuff they may not want to do but that's always appealed to me too so if there was nothing else about The Undertaker, we got Booker T with Michael Cole. In in the role Michael Cole was born for, to be an interviewer, not so a play-by-play sorry, guy. This was amazing. Amazing interview. Uh, the whole I got glasses, don't I, lying killed me. <laughs> this is so good. And saying he got an award for his uh, like high school thesis or whatever. First of all, you don't do a high school thesis. You do a college <laughs> thesis. And on Einstein's theory on relatives. <laughs> It was an excellent promo. It was just fantastic. Uh, is there anything else in there that, that you like that stood out to you besides those two things that just killed me? When Cole when Cole corrected him, his 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 reaction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're oh, just God. like Edge. You think you're so smart. <laughs> the reading glasses, so good. Yeah, the reading. It's, so it was a good look, but the fact that he used "I got glasses on Donai" as like <laughs> proof that he is smart, and something about like he has that like gruff voice, which just makes that <laughs> idea so much funnier. Like I, it, I thought it was an excellent interview. Uh, Booker T is great. Uh, <laughs> so good. Yeah, Booker T versus Edge is Booker T's music underrated? Do you think? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because I feel like we've talked a lot about our favorite songs and favorite entrance songs and whatever. And I don't know if Booker T's has ever come up, but as soon as that music hit, I was like, this is like, why do we not talk about this more? Like, it's so easily identifiable. Like, you have your eyes closed and you hear the first note of that song and you know it's Booker T. Uh Uh, Excellent entrance music. It's definitely one of the songs that I kind of like hum the most or Mm -hmm. it pops up in my head pretty often. It, it, It is definitely an underrated theme song yeah now booker t unfortunately had to go into toronto uh definitely a road game for booker t against the you know the hometown edge um now i know you're a huge edge fan uh where what are your thoughts on edge versus booker t I thought it was a good match. I didn't remember a lot of the story going in because even before the match, they didn't really jump into it. They just 
talked about how Edge thought he was so much smarter than Booker T in this match, and it kind of and it, it kind of showed in the match as well. Uh, Booker T busts out the Spinner Rooney, then Edge busts out the Spinner Rooney. But the fact that mm-hmm. King was hyping up the Spinner Rooney <laughs> when, when he was about to do it, Jay was like, "I'll oh, stop it." I'll stop it. <laughs> I, th- I thought it was, I thought it was really great, and Edge does end up winning in the, in the end with the execution, kind of outsmarting and Booker because Booker also kind of could have went for the pin. After he, before um, before he took the, he did the spinner Rooney too, yeah. so that's all, you could also count that in the, into the same ballpark as well. Yeah, I thought it was a fun match. Uh, I enjoyed it, and I think I really even appreciate a little more how good Booker T is in the ring. Like a lot of the like sounds he makes during the match, like when he gets hit or when he gets thrown or whatever. Like you, he really sells that that he's exerting himself. I think a lot of guys don't do that. Like, if he hits you, he's making some type of sound. If he gets hit, he's making some type of sound. And I feel like he's one of those guys where it looks believable to me. You know, like, whatever he's doing in there, it looks like it, it, it looks like a believable, like, combat to me. You look like you were about to say something. Nothing. Okay. You, you had, like, a smirk on your face like you had a no, I, I'm just okay. laughing at Booker T. Okay. He's great. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. Um Hurricane still creeping uh, through the arena. You know, he's interviewed with Coach, and Mighty Molly comes in and steals the hardcore title. To me, another great moment uh, that happened with the hardcore championship. And I really loved their dedication to, like, having this show up all night. Yes. Like, at this point, I was like, wow. I was like, they're really not joking around. How new? I mean, it's not like it was a new title at this point, right? Was the 24-7 no. rule newer? No. Like, mm. I'm, I, was, I was surprised, pleasantly surprised by how much they were really, like, peppering the hardcore title in there. I thought it was great. Uh, Austin versus Scott Hall comes up. Love the way Scott Hall takes the stunner. <laughs> and I and I th- I feel like that's kind of a divisive topic. Like some people don't like it, but to me, I love his reasoning for it. Is that he was so tall that it was tough for him to to drop on his knees and make it look mm-hmm. good. And this was his way to make it look good that he could like take it on his feet and then do the flat back. I th- I thought it looked excellent every time. Yeah. So you do agree with that? Oh yeah, definitely. What do you think was better, the Rock doing the the complete flip over or the Scott Hall flat back? Well, the fact that you broke down and gave a whole synopsis on the, on the uh, the Scott Hall one, I'll go with the Scott Hall. Like the Rock, it's always funny to watch because he did it literally every time mm-hmm. the same way. And when and, his when his feet would get like caught up on the ropes, I always like yeah. always love that. Yeah, but I'll definitely take the Scott Hall. I forgot who re- I forgot who took it recently. Really good. Rusev took sure. one really good a couple years ago. I'm not sure if it, was, if it was Ziggler or somebody who took one pretty recent. I can't remember who took a really good one. Ziggler? Oh, no, it was Seth. No, it was Seth. Okay. It was Seth at, uh, I think at one of the pay-per-views, he, or Raw or something. Seth took one really good. Was this from Austin or was this from Owens? It was from, it was from Owens. Okay. doesn't surprise me that Seth would take it good. Ziggler sounds like somebody that would... Uh, but Rusev, I feel like, took a really good one at WrestleMania a few years ago. Like, maybe the one that was in Dallas. I can't yeah. quite remember. It was um, that one. But, yeah, Scott Hall, I always appreciate it. And The Rocks, obviously, I appreciate just for, like, the sheer entertainment. Of, of course, he will bring the entertainment to taking the Stone Cold Stunner more than anyone else. And Vince probably takes it the worst. Or he maybe <laughs> took the worst one I've ever seen. Uh, the one when he didn't even put his knees down. He just kind of laid flat. 
Yep. <laughs> I think that may be one of the more famous ones. That might have been the one that he got arrested on. I can't remember mm-hmm. if that was the one. It, it probably was. He started shaking after. Yes. Yeah, that's the, that's the arrest one. Okay. Uh, so I know these two guys are not fond of this match, like when they look back on it. How do you think this match stacks up for like these two guys? Uh, I, I see why they're not fond of it. It was a lot of outside interference from Kevin Nash, but it fit, in, it fit into what they were doing, especially because Stone Cold and The Rock, they were the two feuding against the NWO the most in the in the month leading up to month leading up to WrestleMania. So it did fit, and Kevin Nash didn't have a match either. So you know, it, it was a way to get Kevin Nash in there. But I do, do definitely see their points of why they're not, it's not high on their list of matches. Yeah, and I agree, I, and I kind of so. I know you're this way too, so you'll relate to this. I know when I do something, a lot of times I'm harsh, harsher on myself about it than other people would be, and I, I'm pretty sure you feel that way too. Like you are more critical of yourself than other people usually would be, um, or like you'll find little little mistakes you might have made or little things you think you didn't do great that nobody else would even have noticed. So like I kind of went like watch this match with that in mind. Like maybe they just. They expected more from themselves, and maybe it's better than they think it was. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it was better than they think it was. I think it was just like a match that happened. There was nothing spectacular. It was nothing particular, enter- particularly entertaining. I would say this is probably one where the lead-up to it was way better than what you actually got on the event. And I don't even remember if what led up to it was all that great. I mean, it wasn't bad, but I don't know if it was anything like special. Uh, remember that. Uh, you probably remember this. Remember Austin kidnapped Scott Hall? Yeah, and he had him with the duct tape and tied yeah. to the chair. Mm-hmm. That was one thing that led, led up into it. So there was that, but like I don't like I don't re- remember back on it. Like, whoa, this was amazing, and I feel like that's something that could have been like Austin against the NWO. I feel like had so much potential, and I don't know if they really got out of it what they could have. Yeah, and remember the Rock uh, Hogan drove the the truck into the Rock. Mm, I did forget about that. That too. Uh, but yeah, this one, not great. And again, the two guys themselves, not particularly fond of it. Uh, we got the Four Corners Elimination Tag Team Match. The Dudleys. Don't get saliva. Yeah, the Dudleys, the Hardys, APA, Billy and Chuck, saliva again. Like, <laughs> at this point watching, my only thought was like, holy shit, why is this show so long? <laughs> like, I think we were an hour and 35 minutes in. Like and I, every once in a while, I would like check to see how far in I was and how much I have left. I think it was an hour and thirty-five, and I was like, "Oh my god, there's still more than two. How is there still more than two hours left of this show?" Uh, I don't know if you think this. There were points during this match when, like, I I don't like these kind of matches. As you know, I've talked about it a lot. Like not liking when there's too many people in a match. Like I, I find it hard to really invest in it. And so there were times I was just kind of like mentally checking out and there were points of the match when I was kind of only half paying attention where for a second I would think that Billy Gunn was hardcore Holly. I don't know really? if it's because his hair was like extra light or maybe it was like the short haircut that I'm not used to. Like when I think of Billy Gunn, I usually think of like the longer hair he had like right before then. But like a couple times it like in out of the corner of my eye, I thought it was hardcore Holly. Um, did you like this thing any more than I did? Cause I, I really like kind of lost interest in the show at this point. Yeah. I didn't care. I never cared for this tag team match at all. I never did. Uh, the only thing that's really eventful was, uh, 
Jeff smacking Stacy's ass. <laughs> <laughs> And, and Stacy with saliva. That, other than that, I never actually cared for this match. Even as a kid, I never cared for it. I did appreciate the Hardys being the, when the last two teams remaining. Right. But other than that, I never got anything out of this match. Yeah, same. I didn't get anything out of it then. I got no, I got probably even less out of it now. We cut to the NWO backstage where they're basically saying, you know, we know that we're better than Stone Cold Steve Austin, and now we're going to take it out on The Rock. And Hogan saying he wants to do this by himself. He wants to keep them out of it, which I didn't remember that either from this match. Like, I didn't remember Hogan specifically saying, like, I want to do this on my own. So he was already more of a baby face by that point than what I remembered. Mm-hmm. Like, like, was he? I, I don't know why well, I don't remember that really. Yeah, well, we'll get to, when we get we, when we talk about the match, we'll kind of get into that. Okay, well, then the next thing was Mighty Molly. Uh, taking the L to Christian. He went in hopes of becoming the European champion, and now he became the hardcore champion at WrestleMania. Great WrestleMania moment for Christian. Yes. <laughs> JR disgusted that he was excited to beat a woman, which I thought was good, and the way he did it with the, the door like right into the face. like It was, it, it was like a sneak attack on a woman, I think, yes. it was even better. Like He couldn't even beat the woman straight up. He it, had to like, cheat got, to do that. got his confidence back. Yeah. Um, that leads us into Hogan and the rock. So my first thought is how is Hogan so spray tanned that he's the darker of the two guys? <laughs> like I, that was like jarring oh, to me God. when I saw them in there together. I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> like Hogan is so dark, way too dark. Like to me at that point, you're bordering on blackface. If you're that dark, like, come on, you don't need to be that tan, dude. Uh, but your your thoughts that, that you were you said we would get to when we get to this match? Yeah, well, when this match first started, King had a line saying, "Well, before I start, before I say this, we all know that the invasion angle kind of failed for the company. You know, as a kid, I enjoyed it, but it failed for the company, especially with the whole ruthless aggression doc coming out recently, like." In the invasion angle, we didn't get Goldberg. We didn't. We didn't get the NWO. We didn't get Scott Steiner. But luckily, we were able a few months later to get some of these guys coming, and that's including the NWO. So King had a line before the match started during the faceoff saying, "Well, we never got uh, we never got Barry Bonds versus Babe Ruth. We never got mm-hmm. Ty- we never got Tyson and uh, Ali Tyson and Ali. But we're going to get the Rock and Hogan, and it was the kind of perfect time because Hogan is still relevant at this time, and." The way this match turned out, and you talked about Hogan was more of a babyface than you thought, and growing up watching this, I was just like, how did they know? But in the time we're in, we hear about it now, like even when the NWO first came back, they kept saying, Bruce Pritchard in particular, the crowd wanted Hogan. Yeah. When you watch this, when you watch this in retrospect, it's like, oh my God, like they knew this. And this was built into the storyline. So Hogan only was Hogan is only going to be with the NWO for that month and a half that they came in for, and they were they were the the plan was to branch him off. But watching this as a kid or as a twenty one year old, you're like, huh? Is this real? Like, what's going on? Did they call us on the fly, yeah, or something because of the way the crowd reacted and the whole inclusion of the NWO post match. You would never know, but I thought this match it told 
it, it all came together in an amazing way. It reignited Hulkamania because it was going. He, had, he hadn't been at WrestleMania for nine years. Like you said, the, the split crowd. And like Wait, even the last the, one was when it was at the Sky Dome before, right? The last time he had been there was when he lost no. to the Warrior. Was he there for? Oh no, he was there for a couple more after that. Yeah, he, he beat Yokozuna after he lo- Yoko beat Brett, Brett at nine. But yeah, that's the when you look at this match, it's like oh my god, like they really. They succeeded in making Hulk Hogan back to where he, the level he was, making him a, and pushing him away from the NWO as well. And so they, I think they did a lot in this match, and I still think I think this is I haven't seen every Hogan match, but I definitely think this is Hogan's best match. Uh, probably it was a it was a really good one. I thought it was a really fun match. I thought it was really funny, a really fun storytelling. It was it was clearly like maybe the close like the closest you can get to a perfect like past versus present story like because hulk hogan had the whole thing of like i built wwf like i'm the reason why this company is even still here and then you have the rock who was the biggest star current day and it's really interesting when you think about that what also is interesting about it is at that time hogan was the biggest star ever to have been in the world of wrestling and i think the rock has surpassed him now like, The Rock is the one person that truly went out and became a bigger star in the real world than he even was in wrestling. Like, Hogan is known for WWF more than he's known for anything else. And as huge of a star as The Rock was in WWF, he became way more famous outside of his work in WWF, which is amazing. And I don't know if we'll ever see anyone else do that. Like, we've never saw anyone do it before. I don't know if we'll ever see it again. Um, it's funny though because I started getting a little bit annoyed with the way the crowd was reacting because it's like why do people hold on so tight to the past and you know this is like one of my big things like stop looking backwards and start looking forwards and while I was watching this match and hopefully you'll appreciate this it made me think of something Thanos says in Avengers in Avengers Endgame. Uh, do you remember when he tells Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man, like, the mistake he made was, like, leaving anything left because everybody would remember what it used to be like, and mm-hmm. they wouldn't accept it. So he says, as long as there are those who remember what was, there will always be those who cannot accept what can be. And it's like, this is WWE, like, to a T. Because they, they're too afraid to try to build towards the future, so they always have to rely back on the guys who were famous before, and it keeps them from ever really... Like, I really think in 10 years, as much as they may be struggling in some senses now, I think they're going to be struggling even more because they don't have these guys to go to. They rely way too much on the past. They are sacrificing their own future to keep the past relevant at all times. And that like this may be even like where this thing like kind of started where they got it in their head that like people love what they used to have. Like eventually they want it again. Do you think it's a problem how much they rely on the past or you just think this is an issue I personally have maybe more than I should? Uh, Well, this will be a complex answer. I gave you that's fine. So the Hogan, the Hogan stuff, I I don't I disagree with you about this is where they found it because they had they 
this was what they had to do because the NWO, they were those guys, three of those guys that had those guaranteed contracts. And later, later, most of the guys who had the guaranteed contracts would soon follow. So you kind of had, you kind of had it in your back pocket to give this to, to put this on TV and give the fans these dreams matches because this was the attitude era versus w, WCW Nitro for the most part. So you had to put it on table. It was money no matter what because of what happened during the Monday Night War. So that part I disagree with you at. WWE's main problem is now, and I agree, they're going to struggle for 10 years from now as well because I talked about, I also kind of talked about this in the last episode as well. Hmm. <laughs> They're so hell-bent. Well, I, I don't blame them for this. They're so hell-bent on the height of the Attitude Era, and they're trying to find the next guy, and that's how they're supposed to do. They're always trying to... You should you should want to find the next big guy to lead you and get back to the peak because you want... If you're WWE, you want the, the, the peak to go back to the Attitude Era because that was the peak in wrestling in general. And they're always looking for that type of person. And then they're doing anything to pop a number. And I don't blame them for that aspect. But at the same time, you're not building any stars at all. Uh, in my in the last episode, I talked about how the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. I thought it was a solid pay-per-view. The top names weren't there. Roman Reigns, Galloway, uh, Lesnar, Becky Lynch didn't have a match either. But even though I thought it was a solid show... But are any of these guys? Are, do you care about any of these guys? Are any of these guys a draw? Are are these guys a draw enough for me? Well, for me to want to spend my money and not just spend my money on the WWE name? Do I want to spend my money on these guys? And that's the problem that WWE is going to have because even with Roman Reigns and Galloway and Becky Lynch and the Fiend on the card, would I still want to go? Probably not. But but. That's their problem. They're not building anybody else. They're just trying to hold on to something from that era to pop a number. That's why you see The Rock come back. That's why you see Austin come back every now every now and then. They're just trying to pop a number. But I don't blame for trying for the for for them trying to find the next guy. But they're not creating anybody or anybody underneath your top guy as well. Yeah. So now this made me think of something else. I wonder. So, like, as of right now, I, the rumors that I've heard recently, and I, I'll be honest, as you know, I have not paid much attention to wrestling at all in recent months. Uh, but one of the things I've heard, and I don't know if this is, like, an accurate rumor, but that did they, did they sign a deal with ESPN, or are they talking about it, like, that teaming was up rumor, with ESPN Plus? That was a rumor about a month ago to stream the live pay-per-views on the network on ESPN Plus. Well, stream the live pay-per-views on ESPN Plus. But they were so talking about it, it actually being a pay per view, like a, who knows, like a thirty nine ninety five or fifty nine ninety five. So, mm-hmm. selling the pay per view rights. To USB so, Plus. my first thing is, who the hell is left that would pay for a WWE pay per view? Exactly. Like for for a couple reasons. One reason being, everyone got really spoiled by we just have the network. It's a, a ten dollar and sixty cent or ten dollar and fifty nine cent charge every month that we don't even notice. And you just get the pay-per-views, like no hassle. It's just there if you want to watch it. So we've all kind of got spoiled by the fact that we just have access to them if we want them. But the more important part is they're not, they have not done anything that has given anyone any reason to want to pay money to watch what they're doing. So now you have the combination of people who are used to not having to pay for it, 
plus a product that nobody wants to pay for anyway, who the hell is going to buy this? Now, what I wonder <laughs> is, does this now make them realize, okay, we have to do better, or do they not even realize that? They, that's the thing. Well, we think they got to. We think they have to do better a lot, but a lot of times, for us in particular, we kind of have to put our bias to the side when it comes to some of their guys. For example, I think Randy Orton's been excellent in the last couple of months with this whole Edge thing. I think he's been really good. If you get, if you ever get a chance, I, I highly recommend watching the clips he's had with Edge in uh, the Beth Phoenix segment. I recommend that. But for us, it's kind of like like you just hit on about. But like is years, Randy uh, Orton yeah, in 2020 later, selling a pay per view? Yeah, 18 years later, you're still sorry. 18 years later, literally, because Randy Orton has been in WWE since 2002. 18 years later, you're still trying to sell me Randy Orton. Yeah, like the Eight, NFL is free every Sunday, every Monday, every Thursday. And if you trot Jerry Rice out there, I'm not going to watch Jerry Rice for free. So I'm definitely not going to pay to see Randy Orton. You know, I loved Dr. J. He was my first sports hero. The NBA is free. I'm not going to tune in to watch Dr. J play for free, let alone pay for it. So, like, you're looking at, and and tell me who else. You're looking at Randy Orton on the WrestleMania card. You're looking at The Undertaker on the WrestleMania card. You're looking at Goldberg on the WrestleMania card. Who else? I'm sure there's someone else who's ancient who's on this card. Like what? Who who wants to pay for that? Who and who would and if you would pay for that? If you're someone I know who I consider a friend or an acquaintance or whatever, and you would pay forty dollars or fifty dollars or sixty dollars for a WWE pay per view at this point, I don't think we can be friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I think it's probably the end of the road for us. I think we just don't. We're not going to see eye to eye on anything. If you would pay fifty or sixty dollars to watch WWE product. Do you think that, though, that the idea of them doing that, because we've talked about the idea of competition before, like WWE reached the heights it did in the Attitude Era because Vince had to compete with Nitro. Do you think knowing that they have to find reasons to get people to buy a pay-per-view will make them dig down deep like that again to make people want to buy it, or do you think they just kind of are what they are? Uh I kind of think they are what they are. I do think they would just promote the pay-per-views even, even more, but even now they promote the WWE Network every <laughs> during every uh, every uh, what's, what's segment. They promote the network anyway. So I just think they'll just hammer that in your head. Oh, it's available for ESPN Plus just for $39.95 or $49.95 or whatever it is. They'll just hammer, I think they'll just hammer it down. I don't think that they're going to do, they're going to do anything special to change their television, especially if people end up buying. Maybe that would be where the real competition finally comes in because, you know, let's face it, AEW is not competition for WWE. Yes. Other, other than the fact that some people who were, were like only watching WWE out of habit maybe quit watching WWE because they have an alternative to watch on another night, but it's not head-to-head competition. Maybe the fact that the, the the fans who are willing to buy a pay-per-view would probably rather buy an AEW pay-per-view than a WWE pay-per-view. And so maybe that's where the real competition comes in is WWE has to make a product that those people want to buy too. So I don't know. Maybe it'd be a plus in that sense. But I don't know. I don't trust them. I don't think they have it in them anymore. 
to like, what does Bane say to Batman? Like victory has defeated you or something like that. Like, I feel like that's where WWE is. They've been on top for so long that there's, they can't dig back down into the depths to like bring out that greatness. They, they did before. I don't know if it's there anymore. And Vince is too old. Um, a couple more things on the rock Hogan match. Hogan at one point with the ref knocked out, Hogan tapped to some sort of leg lock. I don't know what it was or what <laughs> what the move was. It was a crossover. Called. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> um, and you obviously got The Rock winning the match. You had the moment with the handshake afterwards. The NWO comes out and attacks Hogan. The Rock makes the save, and you have what is like the WrestleMania moment. Like that is probably, I assume you would agree, like the takeaway moment of. Oh, definitely. That show, that WrestleMania. And this, unfortunately, kind of killed the rest of the show. Definitely. <laughs> like, what else could you do at that Definitely. point? Definitely. Because Triple, Triple H always said that Hogan and Rock show went on last. And as a kid, you know, I'm just watching it. I'm not really paying crowd reaction really that much attention post, post that match. But my God, they should have went on last. Yeah. Um they definitely should have. Now, right after this match ended, we got Fink announcing the attendance record, which they somehow seem to miraculously set at every arena they're at for WrestleMania every year. Uh, and then we got to the women's match, and I'm not going to lie, I was I had completely run out of steam at this point. I know Jazz won definitely. the match. I don't even have a thought on this match. I don't know if you do. Like you said, you pay attention to the crowd. After after the Hogan, after the the Hogan match, and my God, they, did they not care? Yeah, they didn't. And uh, me, you know, sitting on my couch watching it earlier, also didn't care. Uh, but Jazz uh, wins the match. We have Christian leaving the arena with the Hardcore Championship, about to get into a cab, and Maven comes back and steals it from him, steals his cab, and the hardcore title comes full circle from the start of the night to finish. So any final thoughts from you on Maven and his night at WrestleMania 18? I was so glad he won. <laughs> I'm happy you were glad. Were you just as glad rewatching it this time yes. around? Okay, good. Yeah, I, I, love, I love Maven. <laughs> that brings us to Saliva again. And, like, <laughs> at this point, I would have rather... John and Paul. This yeah. Was oh, was it? Well, either way, I would have rather had someone spitting on me at this point than listening to Saliva <laughs> anymore. Uh, fast forwarded through this one as well. Uh, we got the main event, Triple H versus Chris Jericho for the Undisputed Championship. One thing I want to say before I kind of turn it over to you, I was listening to Conan O'Brien's podcast uh, last week. And they were doing a podcast quiz. So Conan, obviously being a late night talk show host, is not very well versed in the podcast game. And the producer of his podcast produces a bunch of other podcasts for uh, a company called Earwolf. So he obviously is very well versed in podcasts. And he started doing this thing every week where Conan and his assistant Sona go one on one in a quiz about the world of podcasting. So one of the quizzes they did last week was the producer would name a podcast, the title of a podcast, and they had to guess what the topic of the podcast was. So one of the ones uh, the producer said was talk is Jericho and Conan's assistant Sona immediately buzzed in and was like, it's about wrestling. 
And he was like, you're right. And Kona was like, how did you know that? And Sona was like, oh, I used to love WWF. I watch it all the time. I love Chris Jericho. And I was like, I love that. That like she said, I used to love WWF. That she called it WWF. That tells you how much she doesn't like it anymore. That she called it by the old name. I really appreciated that and felt like I should share it. Uh, I used to watch all the time. Yeah. You used to watch all the time like a lot of people used to watch all the time. Uh, but main event. The greatest of all time versus your favorite of all time. So I'm going to let you run with, you know, with with the main event. The, another, another impressive thing about this match is how it all came together. Uh, the whole this whole match setup became full circle because remember Jericho was in that match with Triple H ended up tearing his quad in May of 2001. So that's one thing, and then the whole inclusion of stephanie stephanie with jericho that's a forgotten time because those two would always hated each other on television but them actually working together coming together for a common cause and making sure triple H doesn't win the undisputed title i thought it was great but once again the crowd was pooped out of it i thought it was a lot of good work in this match in the video in the performance earlier in the night they were basically telling the story of the match in the video package you'll see triple h getting hit with the sledgehammer from jericho in the quad so the the re the quote-unquote re-injured quad would be a role in this match and i thought a big role in this match not as much as the match for kurt i know i got what you reviewed last month i thought stephanie played a, a role in this match but not not as much as there mm-hmm. but I thought she finally got her come up and come up and because that that damn bitch lied to, about to Triple H about being pregnant when she wasn't. <laughs> but yeah. but I, I, it all came full circle, including with that and Triple H. After a year off, he finally wins the undisputed championship, and a young ten year old Ayla was marking out at home. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was a, was a good main event, despite the fact that like the energy in the place was gone. Uh, I do I do think it's strange to watch Triple H be like a true babyface just because there has been so long that he has been the opposite of that. Like he was the greatest villain arguably of his generation. So it's weird to see him be the babyface in a match or in a storyline. But it is a shame they had to go on after Rock and Hogan. I think this match would probably be remembered a little better if it was like the second to last match or if it was in the Rock Hogan spot. But great work by two, uh, you know, of the all-time greats in the business. Like whether you like Triple H or not, he definitely has a place there that he's earned. Um, and yeah, I thought it was a great main event match, a great title match. And was the undisputed title debuted? How long after this this night was that belt debuted? It was debuted the week after the WWE draft. So the draft, I believe was two weeks from this so i would say three to three weeks to a month later okay. so not immediately no this wasn't like when brock um no not the night after when brock beat cena and they debuted that new belt the next night no Mm-mm. okay um but yeah all in all i thought it was a really fun show uh a little longer than i would have liked a little longer than i was expecting but i thought it was a good show a lot of really good highlights great moments like a lot of memorable stuff um and, you know, a lot of people got to relive their youth uh, in Hulk Hogan on, on this evening, on St. Patrick's Day 2002. Um, any final thoughts from you about WrestleMania 18? No, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad we finally got around to reviewing it. 
So my final thought, my final note is that interestingly enough, unless I'm incorrect, I believe this was the final night of WWE without Brock Lesnar in it. Yeah. I believe he he debuted the next night and his, for good and bad, his mark has been indelible on the company like ever since. We've never been without him. Well, I shouldn't say never because he left for a little bit, but like he's been looming over the company ever since. Um, so yeah, like kind of the, the end of an era and the start of another one, uh, after this show. But yeah, I'm glad we got to sit down and talk about this. I think this is a fun one to review. Um, now I will not be on the show next week. I think I might be the week after, but what is, uh, is there a specific topic next week or is, and what is next week's topic? So next week we're reviewing the final Nitro. Wow. That's interesting. The simulcast. <laughs> Another memorable night in wrestling history. Yes. Um, so, yeah, if I can be on for that one, I will do my best to be a part of it. But uh, if not, I know you guys will do a great job. Uh, with the coronavirus kind of literally <laughs> floating out there and disrupting our daily lives, I know a lot of you have some extra time on your hands. So if you listen to us with some of that time on your hands, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we hope we helped you pass some time. Hopefully we continue uh, giving you something to pass some time while all this goes on. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay inside if you can. Uh, Stay away from your older or uh, chronically ill relatives because this is a lot more dangerous for them than it is for you, assuming you're a younger, healthier person. Uh, Alo, stay safe out there going door to door. (laughs) I know it's rain or shine for you through snow, whatever the the phrase is, I forget. Yeah, through Corona, even Corona can't stop the mail. <laughs> Nothing can stop the mail. Um, but yeah, stay safe out there. Enjoy our content, and uh, we'll have some more for you next week. So for Mr. Wednesday Night Live, we call him Alo. The ladies call him Balo. Aaron Lloyd. I am Ron Pashery, and we will see you next week. Hop on the top rope by the land with elbow. Got him now, put him down right now. Hit him with the palm handle. Tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. Fist of Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again. Fans mocking man, man, I hate my balls. Shut the mystery man, it ain't safe to land off the cell. Fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome. Well, what I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.